Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we're studying the book of Acts, chapter 2. Here's Pastor Ryan. I don't want to condemn people that have taken part in those things. I just do not see it biblically. And But this, these are the verses where they re- build their whole ministry on. And we don't want to be a church family that builds their ministry on a few verses, but on the whole context of the Word of God. Was it practiced in the New Testament? Uh, is it in the Word of God? Did Jesus say it? And, and to use the, the authority of the Bible as our reference to the things we do within the church body. Amen? We should ask, is that practiced in the Bible, what we as a church are practicing? If not, then we're truly not asking the right questions that we need to. You know, Christianity is an intelligent faith, and the Word of God is there to lead us every step of the way, so that we can give an answer to why we do the things that we do. Amen? These are not drunk as you suppose, for it is the third hour. So the first thing that Peter does here is he defends with the scoffers or the mockers. He addresses the, no, they're not drunk, which is a good thing. And again, on those who would base a ministry off of the word that scoffers were mocking, makes it even worse. Because I've heard those ministers say, well, if they thought they were drunk, they must have been acting like they were drunk. That is a presumption beyond presumption beyond presumption. The Bible says that they were mocking at what God was doing. And to base something off what mockers were doing is not good. For the Bible talks about scoffers and mockers, right? Proverbs 21 verse 24. A proud and haughty man. Scoffer is his name. He acts with arrogant pride. There's warnings about the mockers. There's warnings about the scoffers. So we shouldn't base something on what they presumed as a basis for something so big as being, quote-unquote, drunk in the Spirit. And when you see these services, they are rolling on the ground. They are barking. They are twitching. They are yelling. Weird stuff. And the Scripture tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And we're told in 1 Corinthians 14 that the Spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. So there is no such thing as uncontrollableness. Oh, I'm out of control. It's the Spirit. No, it's not. The fruit of the Spirit is control. God is a gentleman. It's no uncontrollable anything. Can you imagine our children running all crazy and saying, oh, it's just the Spirit. So Peter addresses it. They're not drunk. But he quotes the prophet Joel. And Joel's prophecy was given 800 years prior to this event. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. It's such a, a beautiful prophecy. And it's a partially 
fulfilled prophecy at this time because obviously the day of the Lord has not come. So the second half of what Peter says is going to be fulfilled. And so that's the thing with prophecy. Some of it is partially uh, fulfilled. Some of it is for a latter time. So the first half of that verse from Joel, part of it's coming true. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. How cool is God? He's touching every age group. He's touching our sons, our daughters, our young men, the old men. See, it shows the beautiful willingness of God to use anyone who is willing to seek him with a sincere heart. God has used young people in tremendous ways biblically. And for you young folks that are in church this morning, God has used King David when he was a young boy. Various people when they were young. Our Lord was 12, remember, when he was in Jerusalem. And it said that he grew in wisdom and in strength. There's such beautiful teachings in the scriptures about young people being used. I'm encouraged and was encouraged when we baptized Zeke as a young boy, you know, and, and to know that he understood what he was doing. But God is willing to use our sons, our daughters, the young men, the older men, all of us. God's, God is an equal opportunity God. Equal opportunity. God just desires to use those who, as we sang, I surrender. We surrender to you, Lord. That's the only prerequisite to being used by God. Jesus said, if you want, he who desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me daily. Peter is different. They all were different. They're they're waiting on God. They're God's dealing with them through prayer, which is the only way God deals with your heart or mind. It's through prayer. I mean, prayer is getting myself right with God, basically. I'm a mess. Help me be more like Jesus. Jesus said, pray lest you enter into temptation. All of us in this room are susceptible to temptation in all kinds of various ways, whether it's our actions or whether it's our thought life. So prayer is how we deal with it. Prayer is how we ask. Is this an excusable excuse or am I just making another excuse? Prayer does that. Prayer. They were waiting and the Holy Spirit's like, boom, it can happen now. Peter is no longer thinking, I'm a good Christian, man. I can handle it. If if they all rank out, I'll never rank out on you. I got this, Lord. That guy's dead. Peter's humble. I can't do anything without you. Perfect. You're dead. Here comes the empowering. Boom, and he gets up. The shy guy becomes the guy who speaks. The timid guy becomes the courageous guy. The introvert becomes the extrovert. The socially awkward dude becomes not so much. The Holy Spirit, right? The guy, girl who barely loved anybody is now loving. The guy who can barely trust, didn't trust nobody, paranoid dude over here, now loves and love believes all things. I'm not tripping. I already know they're sinners. I already know, uh, but I'm going to love them anyway. I know they ain't perfect. I know they have issues. It, it, It doesn't matter. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. But we must surrender to this idea that we can do Christianity by ourselves. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And it's to all, all flesh. If anyone is willing to be used by God, if anyone seeks the Lord with a sincere heart, God will use them. A sincere heart, 
A person with a sincere heart, and this is what I prayed about and I, I felt this was of the Lord. A person with a sincere heart is one that is willing to obey and do anything God desires for their lives. An insincere heart is one who wants to be used but doesn't want to surrender their will to God's. Why are some people empowered and others not? I suggest because they want to be. We all have 24 hours in a day. We all have a God who loves us equally and shows no partiality to people. If we want to get closer and draw closer to Him, we can do it. If we want to be empowered by God and we seek Him with a sincere heart, no parameters, but Lord, whatever you want me to be, use me. Watch out. Here He comes. It's according to His will. These gifts of the Spirit, the empowering. But it must be a sincere heart. It must be, I give you my all. Jesus ain't taking part of us, half of us, some of us. I mean, what did he say? You know, you have to love me even more than family, is what he said. He said, we have to love him more than money. You can't serve God and mammon, he said. So, very exclusive, but for everyone at the same time. Second Chronicles 16, 9 Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Is he not showing himself strong on behalf of Peter? Right? Who, who is showing himself strong on behalf of Peter? God is, right? But God has witnessed that Peter is now willing and able to be used by God. So God is going to show himself strong. And that's the difference here. That's what... Like, you know, oh, I love the idea of being used by God, but it's too hard of work. There's excuses. We got to let that die. It's like, Lord, help me to die to excuses. Help me to die to, you know, human, uh, the worship of human weakness. Paul the Apostle, you know, what did he say? That famous line, that famous word, in my weakness, his strength is perfected. In my weakness... How else could they see God's strength unless first I am allowed to be weakened? But if I was always feeling all pumped up and strong, you know, then they would just say, man, the power is in the dude. He's all pumped up and strong all the time. It's not the case. I'm as weak as any other man and uh, any other woman. And then we all are the power of God's spirit. Verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth. A man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. You have taken by lawless hands and have crucified and put to death. The term lawless hands there, commentators believe that's a reference to Gentiles. Like, so he's speaking to the Jews, but he's saying... You use law, unlawful hands, right? Gentiles were considered unclean, unlawful. Speaking of both Jew and Romans, Italians, the whole world he died for. The whole world is guilty. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles. Okay, so his sermon, first of all, is it's amazing because it's all about Jesus, right? He does some defending about the drunk and the drunk being drunk. He does some defense. He speaks of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit was going to be poured out by the Lord. But then he gets right into Jesus, and when he gets into the Lord, he says, 
men of Israel hear this, these words, Jesus of Nazareth. It's like you can't disconnect Jesus from Nazareth. People be hating on banning. People be hating on banning. I'm from Monte, El Monte, which I have nothing to say. <laughs> People here I'm from Almani, you get automatic street cred, period. Brother Corey, you, you would probably uh, attest to that. That's just the way it is. It's known as a gang town. Nazareth was known as a town that was, in the religious mind, insignificant. And Peter, led by the Spirit, connects, wants the world to know, don't disconnect Jesus from that humble place. Don't disconnect Jesus from Nazareth. He was Joseph, the carpenter's son. Our Lord worked with his hands. Do you know that Jesus' story, his background, has done so much for the world concerning the working man? That rather than looking less upon the blue-collar, hard-working man who uses his hands to work, Rather than looking down on that, you could never do that again because Jesus worked with his hands. He was a man's man who worked, a working man. Paul would say concerning the Lord in 2 Corinthians 8, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. And this is another knock on the, our, my brothers who are the prosperity ministers. Like, give me a break, bro. He made himself poor so that others can be rich. The world knows that they're schemers who rip off churches. The last thing you want to do is have three mansions and a couple of jet planes. He made himself poor. He made himself of no reputation. Why? Because why? Because the world needs to become rich through him. Rich spiritually. And living a good life in the Lord, eventually you begin to prosper in various ways. Don't get me wrong. Psalm 1 says that the righteous man, all that he does shall prosper. And I do believe in prosperity for a believer to some extent. But there are abuses. We should be modest. And the rich has, and the Bible has plenty to say about the rich. To just do good with your money. The Lord, didn't, the Lord asked the rich young ruler to give up all his riches, but not all the other rich people. Just that guy, because that guy was worshiping his riches. But he talks about people with money, just do good with your money. But he was a man from Nazareth. We read in Mark 12, verse 37, that the common folk, the common people heard Jesus gladly. He was that kind of God, Messiah, he spoke in simple terms for people to understand. Isn't Peter doing the same thing in this message? It's the simplicity of the gospel message, not with fancy words and fancy letters and all of these things. Hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know him, being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, 
you have taken by lawless hands. So here, Peter brilliantly, I'm, I'm giving the Holy Spirit the credit here. It's not Peter, it's God through Peter. But he says it was the predetermined purpose of God that Jesus would die. He speaks about God's predetermination, foreknowledge. But then he goes to say, but you did this with unlawful hands. So you have the balance between God's foreknowledge, God's predestination, predetermination, but also you have the the free will of man. All right there, guys, in the same verses. And we want to be balanced at Calvary Chapel. We aim to be balanced in things. And so we do believe in the predetermination and the predestination of God. God knows all things. But we also believe that man has a responsibility and a free choice and a free will to do as they want to do. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. Revelation 13 refers to the Lamb of God, Jesus, as a Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. It was always predetermined that the Son of God would die on the cross for the sins of mankind. It was always predetermined. God always knew that He would redeem His creation Mankind through the sacrificial death of his son. Jesus said in John chapter 10, No one takes my life from me. He says, No one takes it from me, but I lay it down myself. I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to take it again. This I have received, this command I have received from my Father. No one takes his life. So it wasn't the religious Jews who killed Jesus, it wasn't the the Roman Empire who killed Jesus. It was our sins. And God so loved the world that He sent His Son to die for our sins, your sins and mine, on the cross. And to justify us, to confirm that our sins are taken away because He rose from the grave on the third day. He was risen. He rose for our justification. If He never rose, we'd be in trouble. And so though it was God's predetermination, the religious Jews, Caiaphas and the whole religious Jewish mafia, and also uh, the soldiers at the cross, all were guilty of their own sins. So was Herod, was he not? Oh, he can try to wash his hands like this is on you. It's on everybody. Everybody must choose who Jesus is to you. And either Jesus is who he is, and he doesn't like being told who he is. If people are telling him he's someone he's not. You like somebody saying, you know what? Oh, what's your name, Ryan? You look more like a John. I'm going to call you John. But that's what people do to Jesus all the time. He has a standard. He has his law. He has his way of salvation. And people try to just say, you know what? I'm going to twist and turn it so that it fits my life. What? You have taken by lawless 
hands. So he's speaking to them and he's calling them out to their face. You have taken him out by lawless hands. You've done this. Unlawful hands. Lawless hands. Speaks of free will. Way back in Genesis, the first murder in the Bible was Cain and Abel, as you know. Cain was angry with the Lord because Abel and him brought an offering to the Lord. And Abel brought one of the flock, man. He brought something that cost a lot, man. You know what I mean? In the old days, in the Old Testament, in, uh, even way back in Genesis, man, uh, sheep and goat are money. Right? It costs something, right? Vegetables, not so much. Cain brought vegetable offering. Abel brought something that cost him something. See, you can't tell what God will really mean something when God knows what really means something, right? Cain was upset because God didn't receive his offering. And the Lord said in Genesis 4, Why are you angry? He said this to Cain. Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. In other words, you have the free will to do good, bro. And you have the free will to do bad. Sin lies at the door, but you should be ruling over it. Sin lies at the door of all of our lives. We choose whether or not we're going to pray like Jesus said, lest we enter into temptation to deal with that sin. Or whether we're going to say, oh, nah, it's cool. So you have the predestination, predetermination, will of God, but then you also have man's choice and responsibility. God, so that means that on Judgment Day, those who reject Christ cannot stand before God and say, the devil made me do it. Because the scriptures say, wait, but remember Cain? Everyone has a choice. You could have did good, you could have did bad. Ugh. Hate this pastor. (laughs) He's taking away all my excuses. Well, the scriptures take away our excuses. The scriptures take away our excuses. Sin is common to all men. But God makes the way of escape. If we want Him. If we don't, we can do our thing. But at the end of the day, a person cannot say, the devil made me do it. Being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it, we're going to stop there. You know what's amazing about his sermon is he goes into the crucifixion and then he goes in right in, but that couldn't hold him down. Y'all killed him, but that didn't hold him down. My sin, your sin killed him, but our sin could not hold him down. He beat death and sin and the power of sin. We can overcome any sin. You and I can overcome anything. Pornography, anger, bitterness, 
other immoral, sexual immoral tendencies, inclinations that the Bible says are common to all men. But the, day, but the devil says, oh, no, 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 you're the only nasty person in the world. Doesn't he? But the Bible says, oh, no, no, it's common to everybody. If there were no checks and balances or the Second Amendment, people would be going crazy. Trust you me. People behave because they know there's laws. Father, we thank you this morning again for your grace, your love, and mercy. May you bless thy word to our hearts. Help us, Lord, to be the men and women that you desire us to be. You see that we can do more. You always do. Exceeding and above all we can think or ask, you do more. Help us to yield to your will and just to watch you work a tremendous miracle in all of our lives. But while heads are bowed, if you're here this morning and you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, you need to repent because Jesus said that if you desire to come after him, you must deny yourself. Die to yourself. Take up your cross. That means die to your will and follow him daily. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 10 a.m. or Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicolet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. Cherubim, above.